0: Our uh, scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. This is uh, chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. Let's listen together for the word of God. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The word of God for the people of God. So if you've, uh, if you've ever watched one of those television specials about the historical Jesus, then you may know that scholars and historians disagree about all sorts of things about Jesus. Who his parents were, what he said, where he was born, when he died. When he was born, when he was born yes. How his tomb became empty. But there is at least one thing that even scholars can agree on. Jesus was terrible at marketing. Just consider some of the examples from the anti-public relations campaign he carries out in the Gospel of Mark. After healing a man with leprosy, which could have been enough to land him a reality TV show contract, he commands him to say nothing to anyone. Later, he resurrects a young girl, which could have led to a multi-million dollar book deal. But he orders that no one should know this. Any messiah with even an iota of commercial savvy would be posting before and after selfies on Instagram with these people, but not Jesus. And apparently he had never heard or didn't believe that there's no such thing as bad publicity, because in today's story, even the demons were trying to get the word out in the middle of their own exorcisms, but Jesus would not permit them to speak. I called it an anti-public relations campaign, but really this counterintuitive behavior of Jesus is a mystery that has perplexed readers for millennia. I mean, think about it. If you were the Messiah and your mission was to proclaim the message, wouldn't you want as many people as possible to know about all your miraculous ways? But Jesus seemed to prefer silence about the most impressive events of his ministry. If he were alive today, he would do anything in his power to avoid going viral. He'd be suing TMZ over candid shots of him restoring someone's sight. So what is up with that? Scholars have a name for this phenomenon. They call it Mark's messianic secret. And they've come up with some different explanations for it. Some of the more skeptical ones think that Jesus didn't think of himself as the Messiah and didn't talk about himself that way. They think it was the disciples who came to that conclusion as they struggled to absorb the shock of his death. As they searched the scriptures for comfort, they started to put the pieces together about who he was and why he died the way he did. But when it came time to write the gospels, Mark then had to explain why the disciples didn't make a big deal about him being the Messiah while he was alive. That's one theory. Others think that Jesus was actually a psychological genius. He understood human nature and that most of us cannot keep a really good secret. By telling people to keep quiet, he knew it would just make them want to talk even more. And then everyone would know. It was reverse psychology at its finest. So those are a couple of theories. Um, I have some other thoughts. And I will warn you now that they are comic book thoughts. Because think about it, if you've ever read a superhero story or seen pretty much any summer blockbuster movies for the last 15 years, you know as well as I do that what we are dealing with here is a classic secret identity crisis. Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. These are the public personas of heroes who use their superpowers to right wrongs and make the world a better place. Their secret identities, are who they are when the masks and capes come off, who they are when they're with friends and family and coworkers. They use their costumes to protect themselves and their loved ones. But the tragedy of these heroes is that Peter Parker, Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent, they become characters too. They can almost never be their real full selves. The public doesn't know who they are at home And most of the people who are closest to them don't know that they are the saviors of their cities. And maybe the greatest example of this superhero existential crisis belongs to Superman, whose real identity is neither Superman nor Clark Kent, but Kal-El, the refugee from a dying planet. Maybe you see where I'm going with this. Jesus was rapidly becoming known as a healer And there was a danger that he would become known only as a healer. That crowds of people would be hounding him day and night for miraculous cures or to witness the supernatural magic show. The crowds wanted a superhero. But that would be a one-dimensional understanding of Jesus. It would be like knowing that Superman can leap tall buildings in a single bound, but not knowing that after crash landing on earth as a baby, The Kent family raised him to be a servant, to use his powers on behalf of humanity. So maybe Jesus was concerned that people would get the wrong idea about him. That if he became known for these displays of power, that people would make the wrong assumptions about the kind of Messiah he was going to be. They would want a magician. They would want a great king. They might want a cosmic warrior. But Jesus is not a superhero. Being the Messiah does not mean earthly grandeur or power. But he is also more than the mild-mannered carpenter from Nazareth, the son of Mary and Joseph. He is the Messiah, but not the kind of Messiah that the crowd wants. According to the Gospels, being the Messiah does not mean conquering enemies and handing down vengeance. It doesn't mean beating up the bad guys. It means the cross. It means suffering and death. The Messiah is the suffering servant. So although Jesus is moved with compassion to heal those who are hurting, he does not want to be known only as a healer. He does not want to be known as the future king. He wants to be known as the Messiah, but not until people understand the fullness of what that means. Which brings us to another curious aspect to the story. The disciples who are closest to Jesus do not seem to get it yet. They may not exactly be Lois Lane material. When they roll into Peter's hometown, Peter cannot wait to show off Jesus. The first thing Peter does is tell Jesus about his mother-in-law's fever so that he can work his magic. And later, after the whole city has gathered around Jesus, Jesus retreats to a deserted place to get a break from their demands. But Peter tracks him down and is all like, everyone is searching for you. Get back out there. The show must go on. So there is more than a little bit of irony when Jesus is casting out demons and will not let them speak because they knew him. Even the demons understand what the disciples don't. But there is one person in the story who I do think gets it. She's often overlooked because she doesn't get any speaking lines. I'm talking about Peter's mother-in-law. Maybe you were like me, and when you heard the part where the sick mother-in-law immediately gets up to make food for everyone else, you rolled your eyes a bit. Like, come on! Can't the patriarchy let this poor woman rest for one minute? But as I reflected on this story, I realized that as is often the case in the gospels, the woman is the only one who gets it. She's the only one who understands that Jesus is not a superhero. She understands that Jesus is not a great warrior king. She understands that being the Messiah means being above all else, a servant. And so she gets up to serve. The good news for us this morning is found in her simple response to the healing of Jesus. If we want to follow Jesus, if we want to be great like Jesus, we don't need to be superheroes. We only need to be servants. In the words of Martin Luther King, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Let's pray. God, the uh, the poet Robin drenith Tagore wrote, "I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke." And saw that life was service I acted and behold service was joy God the world makes us weary we are worn out by the demands of caring for ourselves and caring for others like Jesus we are overtired and need rest we want to retreat from our call to love and serve the world and the people in it refresh us empower us, teach us to find joy in service, to find it energizing rather than draining, to create balance between work and rest, and to join others, to invite others, to share in the work that you have given us to do. God, put our hands to the plow, and may we never look back. Like the poet says, let us find that life is service, and service is joy. Amen.